And welcome to I'd Sooner Forget This, a podcast where guests share with you an artifact from their pasts. Like when I was 19, I wrote only one chapter of a book titled How to Open Your Door and Not Get Killed the Moment You Leave. I mean, the first sentence is, before you ever contemplate leaving your home and interacting with other people, you must first prepare yourself for the world outside. Look at yourself. What are you wearing? What's your hair like? The things that people notice about you isn't your amazing personality, but instead what you look like. Never finish that. Never intend to. Um, <laughs> joining, me, I'm Daryl Smith, and joining me today is comedian Louise Lee. I want to read your book so badly, and that's pretty much all the book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that we're in the market for incomplete works today. I think that's a a, a good thing. It's the best title I've heard in a long time. They should use the title. I, I think I, I came up with the title and then I was like, right, well, this yeah. is this is amazing. Yeah, I've won. That's it. I've done all the work. Yeah. I, I can stop now. Um, so what have you brought with you today? My dream diary, which starts in, actually it's 1999, February 99, and goes on until Monday the 20th of March of an unspecified year, uh, I think probably 2000. And there are, oh, what would you say that is? 12 pages of it? Oh, that's really that's, all that's that. That's really <laughs> it. <laughs> the rest of it is actually rather brilliantly an almost empty notebook. And I need those now. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a notebook. It's green. It fits neatly in the palm of my hand. It's very pleasing. It has an elasticated cover that has now gone somewhat saggy. Um, I'm not going to make a vagina joke. <laughs> and I bought it in Fort Lauderdale in Florida where I was on holiday because here's the thing, in 1999, you couldn't get nice stationery everywhere. So I remember really distinctly buying this book in Urban Outfitters in Fort Lauderdale, in fact, probably Miami South Beach. You had to go all the way to America to get decent stationery. Absolutely. The best you could get was like one of those red and black do you know those red and black books you get out oh, of the Viking yeah. catalogue? That was absolutely <laughs> tip-top stationery. You couldn't get those kind of little notebooks that give you a bit of a stir, <laughs> a bit of a thrill anywhere in the UK. So this was a very exciting notebook and I wanted to do something special with it. Did you buy it knowing that you were going to make it into a dream diary? No, I think I might have been going to complete a work of fiction in it. Probably. You know, but again, like yourself, I struggle with actually writing the words down. I don't mean to malign you, but I'm assuming that the book that you just mentioned is part of a series of works that have remained no more than a sentence. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think I'm. Um, you know, I've always been drawn to a good notebook, and I was drawn to this one. I thought, you know, a notebook is so redolent of potential, isn't it? And this one's got a good drink stain, which I suspect is a glass of gin and tonic. <laughs> Uh, and it's quite creased and old and I honestly thought I'd lost it so where did you find it I found it in my bedside table which smells of wee <laughs> and the book does smell a little bit of wee really yeah mm. who's weeing on your bedside cabinet? it's a second it's a vintage it's vintage and in the olden days a bedside table was for keeping the potty in and I assume it smells of wee because of that or it just might have belonged to an old lady who had a lot of cats <laughs> <laughs> I've had it a few years it's starting to smell less of wee 
But if you open it up and stick your face in, it does still smell a bit of wee. Wow. Yeah. So it's really pretty. <laughs> so this we need anyway, to we sorry, need to back hear, to the topic. Yeah. <laughs> the I, 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 I need to hear what some of this wee stained <laughs> dream <laughs> dreams okay. are. So I think I really remember having this dream, and I'm going to start with the one that I had in Fort Lauderdale. I was staying at a friend's. Um, it was in February '99. It says. Warm, white, domed, underground room. Grass round a window, which was round, not exactly above head. Squirrel-like creature tentatively climbs up my arm. I call it, but I'm nervous of it. Wild animal wraps itself round my neck. Warm and happy, softest, softest fur. Then it tickles my neck, and I can't laugh because I am asleep, but I really smile. Squirrel retreats and we go through the coaxing, approaching, neck wrapping and tickle routine. This time I wake up giggling and want to go back. (laughs) And I really remember having that dream and feeling that it meant something really important. So did you wake up from that dream and think of this has got to be on record? I, I just woke up. I remember really waking up, really laughing. I was sharing a room with like three other people and just completely giggling. And just feeling like that creature was something important to me and that having been a bit scared of it, I should welcome it. And I can really remember the room that I was in, which was this round room with a a sort of round skylight above it. And it was cool. And a man, I was in Florida and it was warm (laughs) and sunny and it was great. And I just want to append or prepend or somewhere pend this discussion by just saying that there's nothing more boring than other people's dreams. And, and I'd like to apologize for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, when you wrote this, were, were you writing this for yourself as such? Like, was this for you to look back at? I, yeah. I mean, I wasn't writing it for, I didn't think, ooh, the people will love to hear my dreams. <laughs> it was more like, that is some crazy shit. I can't just let that go out into the ether being crazy and not kind of try and pin it down somehow and it's that same instinct that my husband who's on medication at the moment that makes him have crazy dreams has to tell me every morning about his dreams just to kind of like anchor them somewhere (laughs) and are his exciting they would be if they were mine (laughs) they're his (laughs) so you know and and also because i think when you tell someone your dreams you have to kind of organize the fact like there's one later on where i'm like there's my cousins or are they, you know, but they're not, they're dream cousins. You know, they're not my actual cousins. And um, so when you're telling someone a dream, when you've just woken up, you kind of go, it's all disorganized and you have to go, I'm in my house, but actually it wasn't my house. It was, it was a strange house, but in my dream, it was my house. Yes. Yes. You know, so you have to just sort of, but actually if you write it down, you can kind of order it a little bit more and make it a slightly better story. I mean, that wasn't a great story to listen to, <laughs> but it would have been even worse the morning I woke up in Florida and told my friends it. So, so what were you doing at the time in Florida? So I was on holiday, but um, I think like when I found this book, I kind of had to remember how life was back then. It was 1999. It, you know, we had a Labour government that we didn't know they were baddies <laughs> because... We hadn't done nine. 9-11 was another two years away. I was 26. I was single. I was working for the Discovery Channel with some really 
cool people and living in London and just a, like a really carefree time. I think for me, but also kind of for the world, because we're 10 years after the Cold War finished, the awfulness that we have now hadn't, you know, there was a bit in my life where I didn't think there was an impending apocalypse <laughs> and this was it. And I'm really lucky because I was in my mid to late twenties at that time. So it's like, cool. Um, I mean, and obviously this book doesn't reflect that at all because it's just the nonsense that was inside my head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that's, that's how it was, you know, and I was having a fun time generally. And that is reflected in some of the nonsense. <laughs> yeah, see, this one says, presence of relatives, possibly cousins. I was hostess character. And then there's a little arrow. It says, second cousins, perhaps? Not real ones, just symbolic cousins. <laughs> symbolic the idea cousins. That I have. <laughs> oh, this is a really, really good dream, this one. It's the uh, 17th of March, 1999. Did a big fart at work and everyone noticed. <laughs> <laughs> P.S. had been eating dried apricots the night before. <laughs> um, here's the one I really... Um, on the northern line in the morning, so I'm asleep on the tube. Oh, right. I thought that the dream was set no. on the northern line. No, you're, you I'm had asleep. it on the I'm northern line. I'm having a dream on the northern line. We didn't have phones, Daryl. We had to read books or go to sleep. Apparently, there are two words in Italian for naked. First comes from academic Latin and means nude, but in an artistic way. <laughs> Second is nude in a cheap porn film way. That's quite a good dream, right? So you... But wait, <laughs> then it says here, or so asserts the man who's going for the world pole sitting record. <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't even know what that means. <laughs> it's like, I obviously dreamt that this man doing the pole sitting record... Which is the record for sitting on a pole. Yeah. We didn't have phones. <laughs> um, um, has obviously told me this intriguing linguistic fact that may or may not be a fact. Yeah, I was going to ask, is that, is that true or is that just... I a, have no idea. A, I've ne do you know what? I've never bothered to look it up. <laughs> I've never bothered to look it up. Oh, I like this one. This is the 30th of March. This is a sledging holiday in Kazakhstan or Kurdistan or Siberia. Small sledge pulled by absolutely tiny donkey, resembling a naff Spanish souvenir, but with very definite character. Eating great chunks of oniony meat cooked in a bucket. See asterisk. So. <laughs> Balancing precariously on feet of the sleigh. Beautiful landscape, fabulous mountains, rough roads. There was a man there, guide or partner? Question mark. Both. Asterix. Some of the meat was stuff like cat or horse, etc., but ate it anyway as a different culture. Mule was plucky and humorous, so he's a donkey or mule, and he became the guide, pointing out stuff. At the beginning of the journey, some lack of control. Go left. Whoa, not that left, <laughs> uh, etc. General feeling of, didn't think I'd like this all a bit different, but great fun and feels good to be adventurous. And I remember having that dream. And what I haven't written in my dream diary is that there was a definite suspicion that the meat was the donkey. The donkey that you were riding? The donkey that was pulling the sleigh. Somehow there was a feeling that the donkey and the meat were like I was eating the donkey. But really? I ate it anyway because it was really good. <laughs> oh, I like this one as well. It's morning at Ma and Pa's house. I've never called my parents Ma and Pa. I was obviously having a really pretentious moment. 
trying to establish the age of a stick. <laughs> of course. Of course. At least five foot tall by about three inches wide, some basic carvings. Was it 12th century or 5th century or just 20th century scratching? Stick was stuck into the snow. What I like about this is if you look at how I've written it down, I've written down pretentiously. I mean, as well as calling my parents my own pa, I've put, I've done this 12th century like that with the big C around it. Oh, uh, have which, you intentionally made it as pretentiously written as possible at that um, point? <laughs> I, I just, that's how I write 12th century. <laughs> Isn't that how everyone writes 12th century? So were you carrying this book with you at all times? I must have been, wasn't I? Because you fell asleep on the Northern Line woke up and then wrote it yeah down. i must have been i must have i mean it's very portable you know it's little and neat and you know it's not a, a great hulking thing to carry around so as it's a dream diary it's interesting that you'd think on my day out i'll need <laughs> this unless you were sleeping a lot yeah or like you know sleeping a lot more than i do now yeah <laughs> i don't know i know because i went on the, no because i lived in london so i was on the commute so it might be that I wrote it when I got home. Or, or on the way? Or on the way back from work or something. I don't know. Why do you think you've kept it for so long? I don't know. I had another one that I um, half wrote in that I kept until, which had sort of angst-ridden stuff about boys and is really horrible because I was so objectionable. From when I was like 17 and having the nearest thing I've had to a proper mental health crisis. And it's horrible. And I kept it for years and years. And I think I threw it out about two years ago, kind of going, okay, so if I'm keeping this for reading when I'm older, now I'm older and I've read it and I don't like me and I'm getting rid of it. But I think this amuses me. What do you think makes that different from the book that you threw away? It's much less personal, isn't it? You know, I mean, this is just surreal weirdness. And that was the actual feelings that I was having as a 17, 18, 19-year-old. And, ooh, 17, 18, 19-year-olds are horrible and being all selfish. You know, I mean, the only phrase, there's two phrases I can remember. No, there's one page that I can remember where I wrote about a boyfriend that I had at uni and then another one I wrote about a friend where I wrote, um, why do I kind of be her confidant you know, why do I listen to her problems I suppose it's because it makes me feel like a good person like wow. not like I don't like I don't care about her or her issues I just want to feel like a you know oh I don't want to read that oh, there's pages of that no I don't want to read that stuff yeah. back and I don't want my kids to find it or you know when once one's you know the stuff that you leave to be your legacy, as it were, to be, you know, well-edited, sort of positive, <laughs> broadly positive. Does it feel like you're getting rid of evidence? Yes, very much so. Yeah, burning it. Um, yeah, no, I, d I mean, I'm, and it's, that book was called Catharsis. Like, um, and my mum always used to say, I never read Catharsis because I knew there'd be stuff in it about me. And I'd be like, not, not a thing, mum. You don't feature. <laughs> um, <laughs> but she said, I don't know, because I never read it like that. Do you think she did read it? No, because I think she'd, she wouldn't have, if she had read it, she'd just be like, 
Oh, and I don't even feature. <laughs> well, that's a bit rude. <laughs> that's fascinating that you, you'd get rid of um, stuff like that. Mm. Just because I, I suppose it, for me, I've kept stuff that was like, say, from when I was 17 and at 27 looking back. So I'm at the age that you are yeah. when you're writing <laughs> that. And I look back at the other stuff. I, I can still laugh at that. I detach myself almost and think that it's a different person I think I think I did that a lot when I was your age and then I got the kids and then they learned to read and then I thought I don't want them to read it you know so it, it I think when you're keeping it for yourself and it's it amuses you that's one thing but then when you think actually do the you know if the kids find it will that say about me well it doesn't say I mean I, I think you know my kids are almost teenagers now and part of me is hoping that I have just moved it to sort of deep storage somewhere and it will turn up and they'll go oh god I was a dick when I was a teenager and so was my mother um and I find comfort in it but I sort of think I just have decluttered quite a lot I'm quite overwhelmed by stuff and I don't see a point at which being overwhelmed by stuff is going to get better because we have four parents who are still alive and when your parents die stuff comes you know um and we don't have room for that stuff and so I you know I'm kind of going well maybe I've got five years where I'm not completely going to be overwhelmed by stuff for you know, maybe I could just not be overwhelmed by stuff. I think when you're young, you accumulate stuff for your house. When you grow up, I will have a house or a flat, and I will put my stuff in it. And in the meantime, I will drag van loads of crap around with me, um, so that when that time comes, well, or so that you can kind of take any room and go. I have put up my seven posters, and I have put down the rug. And I've put in the, the boxes and I've got my records out. I'm like, you know, I'm back in my day. We didn't have phones. <laughs> and, um, you know, so people would come and they'd pack, unpack, you know, huge boxes of records and huge boxes of CDs and books. And you'd kind of fill your flat with crap that you lived in for six months. And then you'd cart all this stuff around kind of hoping that you get a house. And then when you get a house, you go, oh, it's full. <laughs> it's completely full. And then you start throwing things away. And then when, you, when, like, when you're in a flat, you're like, well, I'll save it for when I get a big house. And then you get, and I live in a four-bedroom house. It's plenty big enough. It's well, you know, it's large enough for us all. And it's a little bit large for me to look after. And now I'm just, I have so much stuff. I just want to get rid, get rid, get rid, get rid. Because you know, my kids have new stuff every year because of their bodies changing shape. And they have new toys every year. And they have, you know, and, and there's a lot of, stuff coming in and you just have to keep the flood there's a flood of stuff coming in you've got to get the flood out so yeah. and you're not really allowed to chuck out their toys because they're theirs so you end up chucking out your own stuff and that's why i think catharsis uh, has gone but the dream diary stays because i find it amusing say hello to a new era of mental health care Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, 
an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right, over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, I think we should uh, hear some, some more dreams. dreams. So this is the one I wanted to read. Saturday, the 22nd of January, 2000. A uh, couple of weird ones recently. Number one, a few nights ago, dreamt I had a huge amount of marijuana leaves in a great big clear plastic bags. I had to hide them from mum, ended up eating a lot of it and getting extraordinarily bombed. <laughs> they didn't look like cannabis leaves, more like bay leaves. I'm so middle class. <laughs> um, that was about Tuesday or Wednesday night, that one says. And then the night of Thursday, the 20th of January, 2000 was looking around amazing undiscovered mansions set in beautiful, lush, capability brown-style barklands. Lots of small, fallen leaves in carpet, fun to kick. Lots of throwing open double doors into rooms with huge, sometimes intricate Rococo windows, although a real sense of geometrical harmony. (laughs) (laughs) This is the most middle-class dream I've ever heard. (laughs) My history of art training really coming in handy there. Uh, (laughs) Warm shafts of sunlight through dusty glass, creating marvellous effects across parquet floors. It's like the beginning (laughs) of a Mills and Boone, isn't it? (laughs) I had a female companion. I think we were wearing long navy coats. Um, I think that I was going to live in this extraordinary, beautiful mansion. Sense of being the first person ever to go there. Magical place. Autumnal light. Anyway, and this is where it becomes a bit strange. We saw across the valley that we had neighbours in a modernist style house set off to meet them. 
Nothing about the proportions. <laughs> Nothing about the proportions. Uh, the family across the valley were a bit like the Brady Bunch. Lots of teenage kids, but very cosmopolitan, Californian types. I don't know what the, that means, says in brackets. That's the dream's description. They were smoking dope in a way they called Lilo Blowback. They had a life-size inflatable Homer Simpson. <laughs> <laughs> it's not so middle class now. <laughs> Filled with dope smoke. One person puts their mouth around the blowing up valve somewhere around the head and face. And another person presses or sits on the stomach. You had to have excellent breath control and weren't allowed to waste any smoke. I, of course, did not manage well. <laughs> not good at taking drugs. The California family persuaded me to come on holiday with them. I also appeared to be going out with one of the sons. Was always He was about nine or 11. And I kept saying, are you sure you're not a bit young? But he insisted, and besides, we really liked each other. Lots of faffing about in airports as this motley crew tried to go away on holiday together. Vague sense of being torn between the fact that these people were really good fun and nice and also not quite my kind of people. Too bohemian, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> so I love that kind of going from the parquet floor and the geometry, sort of geometry, the life-size of late of a Homer giant bong thing. Yes, very odd. <laughs> Did you ever try like, um, properly analysing any of these? No, I had a dream diary which had things like a woman who dreameth of Marmite. No, it wasn't would be Marmite, but, you know, a woman who dreameth of owls shall be taken for a fool and things like that. But no, I mean, that was, you know, quite comedy. But no, I've never tried <laughs> to analyse them because, God, what would I find? You know, I think it's all fairly, it's all fairly self-explanatory, really, isn't it? You know, I feel a bit of out of my depth in the land of pot smoking and people being cool because really I'm much more interested in sort of parquet floors and architecture and what well, the lovely thing about reading this as a 45 year old is that I'm not struggling with that anymore did you have that dream when you were in America no that... this is this is in uh in London probably um I had met my husband by then had I yes I'd met him he's was a bit cooler than me at the time. Um, so it might be to do with kind of hanging out with more interesting people, you know, and kind of feeling a bit out of my depth. As... So that's how you felt at the time? I think probably, yeah, a little bit like, oh, they all know what Kierkegaard is. <laughs> I don't, you know, or whatever they knew what was. or You know, like my husband's friends used to sort of, rave with Jarvis Cocker, you know, and that kind of, like, my husband nearly killed Jarvis Cocker once, driving him home from a rave. Wow. Yeah, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so when I met him, he was kind of not that far out of that sort of orbit. And I was, you know, lovely chap, lovely chap from a public school, a provincial private school, you know, wearing a Liberty skirt, you know. <laughs> and... <laughs> um, it was very different sort of worlds, and yeah. I mean, luckily, I've managed to pull him over to my side. You're further into the diary. Is this one of the last ones that you kept record of? They kind of peter out. Um, yeah, look, this one has shared contents. You know, that's obviously a list of 
measurements of the house that we live in now you know we've obviously reappropriated it as an ordinary notebook oh i thought you meant that the dream was <laughs> shared shed contents. the contents no, of a no. shed so it kind of stops being interesting but i obviously i'm trying my like, night the writing gets less neat i'm obviously kind of like i will get pulled back to it if i have a really cracking dream but there was obviously a period where i was on my own so sleeping really soundly so having really crazy dreams and then being able to just sit up and turn the light on in the middle of the night and just write them down or you know maybe drinking too much maybe smoking the odd peculiar cigarette um and kind of so this stuff was happening in my brain and I kind of went oh that's funny or weird I should write that down I don't want that to slip away um and then I guess as I kind of moved on in my life other things took priority and I'd probably then I had someone to tell the dreams to you know to wake up and go 70,000 crabs crawling you know (laughs) (laughs) or whatever I I suppose similar to what we said earlier when you then say to me like oh okay yeah and then you're like okay maybe I don't need to write this Yeah, yeah yeah exactly maybe it's not such work of towering genius but I do quite like this one it says going up Everest Stephen there that's my husband endless false peaks covered in scree wasn't really that up for the whole mountain climbing thing because there were these fantastic vintage clothing shops that were really much more interesting. (laughs) That's it. I mean, it's half a page. Oh, that's the dream. (laughs) That's the dream. My question after it was going to be, what's your analysis of that dream? (laughs) But it's so obvious. It's similar to what you said earlier. You felt out of, I mean, my assumption is you felt out of your depth and wanted to be in a vintage shop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Oh, look, there's shops. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And actually, because I've not really, I've not really interrogated this notebook at all. I can't, I haven't kind of really realized that a lot of it is about me kind of trying to work out. Or maybe the dreams struck me because they appeared to be me kind of working out my place in the world. So the early ones are about this sort of, like the the creature coming in that I was frightened of coming and sitting on my neck, kind of going, you know, you could spread your wings and be more interesting. And it will be okay. And then the later ones are more like, oh, maybe not this interesting. <laughs> maybe just rain it in a little bit. Or, you know, just being out of my comfort zone a little bit. And yeah. when, did, when did you feel that it finally balanced? Or has it balanced? Um, I think middle age is marvelous because it makes you realize that your comfort zone is actually incredibly dangerous and really shouldn't really be in your, you know, comfort zone. And my mom said it to me. She said, if you're not shit scared, you're not doing it right. And I think that is the kind of the wisdom of age (laughs) is that I kind of go now, oh, please let me get out, you know, Please, can I not be in my comfort zone? And having kids, they push you out of your comfort zone all the time. And, you know, they're like that weapon in The Incredibles. So in that, there's this enemy that whenever you find something that you can beat it with, it takes it and it uses it against you. But that's what kids are like. So you constantly have to adapt. And you're never in your comfort zone because actually the stakes are really high and apparently it really matters how they turn out and stuff. Um, And... um, so I, I think that's quite a kind of good kick up the ass to kind of go, don't be in your comfort zone, you know, because the challenge zone is where you do your learning and you're in, having fun and your adventures that when you are old and your knees have gone and you've got an incontinence pad on, you can say, I remember when I 
smoked a bong out of a giant inflatable Homer Simpson <laughs> or whatever other real life stuff went on. Are you happy that you kept that diary? Yes. Yeah, definitely. Why? Because I don't dream anymore, hardly at all. And it reminds me that I have a kind of, and I don't get to be, well, I do get to be a loony because I do stand up now, but a lot of my sort of day job, I have to be a bit sensible. So to remind me that my brain has all these magical powers of creating of beasts and um, things like that. It's quite good because a lot of the stuff that I do is really boring every day. <laughs> How did you feel reading it today? Not as embarrassed as I would have done if I brought the other book that I destroyed. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, you know, surprisingly, I felt it, it perhaps had more depth than I was expecting. And it's been good to think about who I was then and who, in fact, I pretty much still am. But, you know, the achievements have been done and milestones have been passed. And I would only go back if I could go back with my current brain. Well, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you could go back with your current brain yeah. and speak to yourself, um, mm. say the day that you brought that diary, is there anything that you would have said? I'd have said, definitely sleep with that guy that you're going to sleep with um, in Miami. Not the husband, that's fine. Um, do that, but, you know, in between... Uh, do more traveling I would say do more traveling because there's a lot in there that I think is about like the whole Kyrgyzstan dream with the mountains you know it's like just do more just do more thank you so much for joining me Louise it's a pleasure if people would like to um, find out more about you or follow you on social media how can they do so they can follow me on the twitter at at magic lady that's s-p-e-s-h magic lady because i couldn't fit special magic lady all on the twitter <laughs> handle um and they can find me on the facebook thank you so much uh, for listening to this podcast this has been i'd sooner forget this i've been daryl smith if you have got a second then please do give the podcast a review also find um all the different social media pages if you look at the facebook page there's loads of photos and things from all of the various episodes including this one and um yeah just give us a review on itunes that'd be excellent um have a wonderful week um make sure you're subscribed because there'll be another episode next week bye head over to hulu this march where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long catch the acclaimed movie all of us strangers starring paul muscal and andrew scott Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.